All right, welcome to the Surveillance Report 168 Q&A. This is where our patrons who contribute $5 a month or more get to ask us a question. And we only have three questions this week, but the good ones, we have a question about how to minimize the attack surface of hardware, which is a great question. We have a question about our favorite movies, and we have a question that's one for each of us, and then one for both of us from our last patron. So we'll start off with David Johnson, who's asking, what strategies do you follow to minimize the vulnerability of your hardware to malware? And he specifically notes like firmware malware that would be resistant to like reinstalling or antivirus, things like supply chain attacks, the risk of bloated code. And then of course, like IOT devices that just never get updated or people never check for updates. He says, how do you incorporate these considerations into your choices of hardware? And what strategies do you use to make sure it's firmware stays up to date? I think I tend to lean a little bit more towards security between the two of us. And so for me, that is a really big thing. When things get end of life, I make it a priority to replace them. I won't necessarily like throw them away right away. Maybe I'll turn it into like a test device or like a, like I have a lineage phone that I use to load all of my invasive apps that I need for my band, like Instagram and stuff like that. But I do prioritize that kind of stuff. And I do think about that kind of stuff. Like I've told this story many times that uh, when my wife and I first started living together, she loves to stream content, Hulu, Netflix, Crunchyroll, And so for her, she's like, I really want a smart TV. And I I made the compromise. I was like, okay, we can get a smart TV. Because I didn't even own a TV before we got together. But I get to pick the brand. And one of the considerations, actually the biggest consideration was who gets updates? Because I don't know if it's any better now, but at the time, the vast majority of smart TVs, like as soon as they pump them out, it's like, here you go. Sucks to suck if we find a vulnerability because you're never getting an update. So yeah, honestly, I just try to do my research. Like I do take those into consideration, but I I just try to do my research on like what actually gets updates, what are my options, what fits my threat model, how can I mitigate any any sort of risks or exposure, things of that nature. I was taking notes here while after I heard the question and I have a couple more actionable things. So again, like Nate said, updates, 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 be on an updated device always. And that's like probably one of the most important things I would say. I hate saying this. I personally do buy used if I feel like I can get it used from a trusted place. But buying new is probably going to be one of the safest things you can do. Unfortunately, I don't like to say that, but yes. Buy from trusted companies in the first place. I think you're better off buying from like a more popular company than like a random company on Amazon or a brand new company that hasn't really established itself yet as being a trustworthy company. I'd also say minimalism, less devices, the better. And also I would also say everything above the hardware matters as well. We saw the recent Apple hardware situation where people were able to essentially get at least temporary access to Apple devices via hardware, but it relied on software vulnerabilities as well. It was a long exploit chain that also relied on software. And it's the kind of thing where lockdown mode on iOS devices actually prevented that from being exploited. So I think that a lot of hardware things are still dependent on software in some ways. So just make sure you're covering all your bases. Next question is from Mr. Camel 999 classic, our, our top commenter probably. And it's, what are your favorite movies? And it's really hard for me to answer favorites. I'm not great at favorites. I was actually just talking to someone recently about... um, I recently watched... I don't know what... I love the movie. It's a really good movie. I think it's great. I really like Harold and Maude. And I watched it last year. And I thought it was a very interesting, quirky, weird movie. That was really weird. And I don't know why I found it to be weird. It was just really interesting. And it was also filmed in the Bay Area. So I got to recognize some of the places because it was filmed in the Bay in the 70s. And it has Cat Stevens on the soundtrack. And I really like Cat Stevens. And so I thought it was a really great movie. I like The Count of Monte Cristo as well. That's a good movie that I really enjoy. And there's just so many great movies that I've seen. It's hard for me to isolate them. I don't even know why I mentioned those two because those aren't even like 
if I had to like rate the top five, I don't think those would be in my top five. It's just those are just movies that come to mind. And I feel like that's the only way I can answer this question, sharing movies that come to mind. So I, I can answer this question, and for a similar reason. And I feel like I've told this story before, so maybe, maybe you have asked this question, Mr. Campbell. I took a flight, and one of the movies on the in-flight was Tenet. And I watched it, because I've seen it before, and I like it. And for the record, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, it's a cinematic masterpiece, it's the greatest movie ever made. This is a practical answer. So I watched Tenet, I watched the whole thing. The movie ended, like, two minutes before they were like, okay, shut off your electronics or whatever. I landed, my wife picks me up, we drive home, I get home, I turned on HBO Max because I just wanted to put on some background noise. I I think I was actually going to turn on like South Park or something. I just wanted some background noise. And I turn on HBO Max and the first thing that pops up, like the promoted movie is Tenet. And literally my very first thought, like instinctual thought was, yeah, I could watch that again. Like I literally watched the whole movie and then 30 minutes later, I was ready to just rewatch it from start to finish. And I was like... Okay, that that might be like, technically speaking, that might be my favorite movie just on the grounds that I never get sick of it. And I'm constantly like, yeah, I'm down to watch that movie. And for the record, I don't think it makes any sense. I think the people who are like, the more I watch the movie, the more I understand the timeline, the more I watch the movie, the more confused I get. But it's fun. And the audio mixing was a travesty. The audio was really bad. But it's just a fun Isn't it a Christopher Nolan movie? Just, Just sit back and enjoy it. It is, yeah. Isn't he notoriously just, audio never makes sense in Christopher Nolan movies? Isn't that... I feel like I've heard that. Audio? I've never heard any complaints about the audio before. I feel like I've heard like so many complaints about Christopher Nolan in audio. I don't know. Maybe maybe I've just never heard it, but like Tenet was the one where I was like, that was the number one complaint I've heard is like Tenet was really bad. Yeah, there's like articles written about this. Like you can look it up. Why you can't hear the dialogue in Tenet. And so, here, there's a whole article here of like, sometimes it's hard to hear what people are saying in Christopher Nolan movies. He told Insider the reason for that is he doesn't do additional dialogue recording known as ADR. I like to use the performance that was given in the moment rather than the actor revoice it later. It's a whole thing. Well, again, I've never heard anything before Tenet, but that is interesting. Either way, it's a fun movie. I don't watch it for the dialogue. Well, I I mean, there is a lot of dialogue, so I watch it for some of the dialogue. I mostly watch it for the two fight scenes that that go in reverse. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Like, those two and the car chase. And honestly, once the car chase is over, I'm kind of done. But I still finish it anyways, because why not? I just pulled up my movie list. I keep a movie list in Crypty, and I'm just going to list off some of the top. These are just movies I watched in the last year. I just started this a year ago. I really liked The Iron Giant, which is kind of a kid's movie, but I thought it was wonderfully done. Hey, you want to see a room of grown men cry, you just play The Iron Giant. Yeah, Iron Giant's good. Um, Midnight in Paris. I really liked A Pigeon Sat on a Branch. A, a Pigeon Sat on a Branch Reflecting on Existence, only for like dry Nordic humor. Very dry, let me tell you. Um, but I really was a fan of it. I never even heard of that. Yeah, Oppenheimer was good. I watched a really interesting movie called, I think it's called Being There. I think it's the right movie. Being There, it, it's not like highly rated on this. It was just an interesting movie. I didn't expect it. It was really deep and it kind of comments on like mental health issues in a comedy. It was really interesting, um, is all I'll say. And then I have Pan's Labyrinth here. Pan's Labyrinth is a, a good movie. <laughs> That's an intense movie, though. I didn't know what I was getting into when I watched that movie. That movie is yeah, intense. It's really intense. Our last question, or, or it's three questions, really, comes from Chinchzilla, who has a, a question for each of us and then a question for both of us. For Henry, have you had any luck with Tempe since the incident you mentioned on Mastodon? No, I, I have yet to try again, actually. So 
I guess I'll keep the world updated on my my tempeh adventures because I really want to like it because it I think it's one of the few foods that has higher protein to calorie ratio than tofu. And it's also fermented. So like you're getting a lot of just nice health benefits from just one food instead of me. Like I do tofu and I'll do other fermented foods in my diet, but tempeh I think would be nice to like. So I'm going to try it. Oh, I did. Oh, this is a lie. I did try tempeh at a restaurant in like a breakfast sandwich and it kind of just blended in and it was fine. But like I tried a piece of it by itself and I was like, it's okay at best. It's mid. They have a question for Nate, which is, I didn't know you produce music. What instruments you play or do you use any software or both? How skilled would you consider yourself in this field? Definitely not as skilled as I used to be because at the height of my music playing, I played, and various levels of proficiency here for the record, vocals, bass guitar, regular guitar, drums, violin, piano, and I was starting to dabble in synth and just like general uh, like stringed arrangements. And then like production software, if that counts, I would argue that counts to an extent. Do I use any software? I mean, I, I use Pro Tools for recording. There's, there's a software called Mixcraft, that it's designed to be like an audio workstation for musicians. It's supposed to be user-friendly, and it is. But also, like, I've gotten so used to Pro Tools now, it's it's kind of limiting. But the thing I like about Mixcraft is it does actually have pretty good, like, synth sounds and strings and, like, just, like, a variety of, like, really interesting noises and, and sounds. So I also have that one that I use to kind of fill out, again, like, the strings and, and uh, pads and stuff like that. How skilled would I consider myself? Like I said, I, I'm really not as active as I used to be. And I'm not happy about that. It's just, it's literal lack of time. My time is starting to open up a little bit more. So I'm going to try to get back into music here soon. The only things I really still consistently play are like guitar, bass, and I guess some vocals. Cause I, I like to sing along in the car and stuff like that. But I definitely don't play drums anymore. Haven't owned a violin in years, sold the piano. Cause I got tired of lugging it around to collect dust, but stay lovey. All right, and the question for both of us is, I pay about $50 converted quarterly for a P.O. box, and I must use my real name with it. Is that too much? Am I compromising myself anyways? And then just the P.S. at the end of the end here, uh, CHF is Swiss franc, and the real currency of Czechia is the Czech crown, or CZK, just FYI. That's a throwback. That's that's from several weeks ago. That, I was going to say, that was, that, was a, like, that was a couple months ago, man. But if you know, you know. Thanks for letting us know. Uh, Swiss franc. Isn't that what I said? Swiss? I thought I said Swiss because I know CH is Switzerland, but anyways, so I, I mean, I can't say if you're paying too much because if that's what the going rate is where you are, then that's the going rate. And like, I, I would say shop around how far a dollar goes varies from place to place. $50 quarterly is on the higher end where I am, but it, it also depends. You say you must use your real name with USPS. I do. Well, with all of them, I do have to give a real name. But with one of my P.O. boxes, the one I use for the new oil, I am allowed to use. It's a private P.O. box. And they're like, hey, we'll put any name you want on there. Like, they still need my real name for, like, KYC anti-fraud purposes. But they're also like, we can accept mail under pretty much any name you give us. But USPS is like, no, if you want us to use, like, like even a business, it's like you have to show business paperwork. So are you compromising yourself? I mean, yeah, it's not anonymous. But I, I personally still think it's a great layer of protection because... Now you can get stuff sent to the P.O. box. You don't have to get it sent to your home. You don't have to put your home address on everything. Your packages don't have to sit on the porch until you get home at the end of the day and get stolen. Like, I still think it's worth it, personally. Yeah, you still hide your address, which I think is the most important thing. 
And like Nate said, check if it's a registration versus acceptance requirement, because all of them will require you to register with your real name. It's a different question if they will accept mail not under your name. And I think 50 is actually totally fair. Again, I don't know your financial situation, but all out the reason why I say it's fair is I don't think I've... I think there's one place. I've used several places. I think one place was a little bit cheaper. It was $10 a month if I paid for a whole year. This, I think paying $50 quarterly, which is $12.50 a month, is pretty solid. And it's only for a four-month commitment. Three-month commitment. I did wrong math. Quarterly is three months, not four months. So $16.67 per month is the actual number. Which, again, is I still think the second... It would be the second cheapest one, but you're only paying three months at a time instead of the cheaper one that I had. I had to pay a whole year up front. I think it's pretty solid. Hey guys, Future Nate here again. We recorded the 167 Q&A the day before 168 and the 168 Q&A. So long story short, this question accidentally got cut and we decided just to slide it in here once we noticed. God willing, we will be back on track this coming weekend and thank you guys for your patience during this difficult time. Next question is, what are your guys' favorite Pokemon? And I've never played Pokemon. Ever. I don't know. I, I don't. I know the yellow one, the Pikachu guy. <laughs> so doesn't doesn't the Pikachu the Pikachu go Pika Pika? Is that a, is the, thank you for watching our last episode? <laughs> um, yeah, I think she does. Okay. Oh, to she. She says a Great. lot of things. To she. <laughs> well, I, I think I think uh, I think the main one in the in the TV show. So I'll be honest. I I got really into the games as a kid. I never watched the show. I think I've seen a couple of the movies. And I also quit playing around Fire Red and Leaf Green. That's kind of what I stopped playing. So I don't know any of the new ones. But I will say I have a permanent soft spot for Charmander and Charizard because when I first played Blue, it was literally a hand-me-down from my brother. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, yeah, that one looks cool. Sure, let's go with it. And I just, you know, this is my first Pokemon. It was my first starter. And I dominated because those games are so fun. But yeah, I'd, I'd have to go with that. I don't know if I have a favorite, but I have a soft spot for them. Okay, so that was all our questions this week. Thank you very much to all of our patrons for asking questions. We appreciate you guys. If you would like to ask us a question, head on over to Patreon, $5 a month or more, and maybe we will take your question on the next Surveillance Report Q&A. And stick around for a Surveillance Report. What are we on? 169 coming out this weekend, and we'll see you then.